Hello and welcome everyone to another edition of Hey Hun, You Woke Up Victims Voices. And today I am so pleased to say that I have Hannah Martin, who runs the Talented Ladies Club online, yeah, I can't talk, online magazine. And she's been doing research and articles on multi-level marketing since 2017 and has just a wealth of knowledge and such an amazing background. So I'm so very thrilled to bring her back to the show and, you know, have a chit chat about this whole concept of, you know, regulating the industry of multi-level marketing. Hannah, hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, Alanda. Thank you for inviting me. Always a pleasure. So today I thought that, you know, we would go over um, information about multi-level marketing as it applies to the UK, but also dovetail that into uh, the US, the FTC is considering possibly, potentially, maybe having a rule that would be applicable to multi-level marketing in terms of their you know, deceptive income claims. And so I thought we'd have a chit chat about that. How does that sound? That sounds an excellent topic. Fantastic. And, you know, I before we get started with this, and I may have asked you before, but I've slept since then, but I did want to ask you, and so that my audience will also know, what was it that got you involved in researching and writing about multi-level marketing companies? So initially, it was after watching Betting on Zero and realizing from that documentary just how harmful MLMs were. I know that documentary was specifically about Herbalife. But after I watched it, I started looking into the industry and realizing actually Herbalife was seemed to be indicative of all the companies. And the more I looked into it, the more I was horrified by people's experiences and how it was structured. And I already had a website that that our aim was to unlock the potential of women and support them in doing things they love and earning money. And it seemed to me that MLM was the antithesis of this. Um, and I really wanted to expose it and help educate people. So that's what, what really got me onto it in the first place. You know, I think that is just absolutely beautiful of like how people come to speak out against um, something that they find to be problematic. And so I'm really glad that you are one of the voices and it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Well, let me ask you this because I don't know. And since I'm an American, I really don't know. And probably a lot of my audience doesn't know either. Are multi-level marketing companies being regulated or monitored at all in the UK? And if so, what is the agency that does that? Um, well, the very short answer to that is no, they're not. Oh. There's no, there's no agency that like for Ponzi schemes, pyramid schemes that oversees any of that? Absolutely not. No, we do have various authorities in the UK. Uh, however none of them oversee MLM. It's one of those weird things that doesn't really sit under anything. Um, and I have personal experience of attempting to report activity within MLMs to organizations that I would consider had an interest in their activities. And I have never had, never got anyone to to have any interest in it. And in fact, quite the opposite. They, they are just 
if one of I, I complained to the Advertising Standards Authority a few years ago, and their response was to accuse me of being a jealous competitor. <laughs> <laughs> I, wow, that really took me aback. Oh yes, we are all so jealous of these multi-level marketing companies. Oh, I know absolutely. I mean, when I initially complained, I was complaining about um, a rep who who claimed that the aloe vera drink that she was drinking had stopped her hair falling out during chemotherapy and encouraged people to buy aloe vera from her. I recorded this Instagram story and I sent it to the Advertising Standards Authority and their initial response was to tell me it was no different from someone buying a pair of Nike trainers and saying, hey, they helped me to run faster. So I then replied, I don't really think you understand what's happening here. This is someone selling a product. This isn't just a fan. They're, you know, not only that, they are claiming that this product stops their hair falling out during chemo, which is scientifically not possible. Um, and they then responded saying that they'd looked at my website and decided that um, I, I was a competitor of this lady because uh, she was a business coach, as was I, according to them, I'm not, um, and that I should have declared this. And because I didn't declare it, I was clearly just envious of her and they weren't ignoring my entire complaint. It, oh. It's physical. Oh, how absolutely infuriating. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I mean, what was your reaction to that? How did that make you feel? Because it seems like you were very belittled by the agency of just kind of like giving you a little slap on the hand and be like, shame on you. And that's kind of like not the point whatsoever. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really felt that this person was uneducated. I think they were um, they were not doing their job properly. Personally, I, I made a formal complaint about them to the authority they worked for. Um, the complaints are always anonymous, so they're never followed. You, you have no opportunity to say who you are, so you get no follow back on it. But I, I thought it was important to to make a complaint because this lack of education that this person clearly had meant that they were allowing people to do damage. You know, I, I, they were allowing, they were, they were allowing people to do things that their body was set up to prevent. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, here in the U S we have the federal trade commission where we can report, you know, deceptive things too. We can report MLMs too, but also the sec, you know, covers pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes. We have that, we also have truth in advertising, which is not, you know, a federal agency or anything, but it's just somewhere at least that we can go. So when you are in the UK and since you don't have an agency that directly deals with pyramid schemes and Ponzi schemes, what is it that you do? I mean, what do, how can people stand up and say, hey, I'm, there's been a problem. There is a problem. This type of company is caused me harm. Where do they go? What do they do? Or do they just, you know, just sit down and just don't say anything? Yeah, it, literally that. I mean, I have had a conversation with a regulator from another country about the problem in the UK. And this regulator said they had tried to get bodies in the UK interested in this, but they were just told it's not worth their time. Just to leave it was too complicated an issue. They had bigger fish to fry. There was no interest in UK regulation bodies in looking into MLMs. Oh, my gosh. That is just absolutely horrifying. Because, you know, I would have thought that the UK would have had 
something in place, at least a place to report, you know, deceptive practices or something for organizations. No, I mean, you know, on paper, there are bodies you can go to. In reality, as as I've just given that one example, they're not set up to understand how MLMs work. And I do get it, you know, unless, you know, I know you've researched them for many years. People like you and I, we are experts on the industry and it's a comp- deliberately complex industry. Um, and a lay person just doesn't have that knowledge. And so they would take MLMs at face value and they seem very shiny and very innocent at face value. They're just helping people to earn money, working from home. So unless you're knowledgeable about them and how they work, it's easy to miss the, the real problems there and I think that's a big issue is that people just aren't educated in them uh, yes absolutely I think that's makes it even more important for the work that you do so that somebody is putting information out there that people in the UK can you know find your content and become informed and you know hopefully they go to YouTube Instagram you know other places other platforms as well to get some information, but I think it is really horrifying that the UK just kind of doesn't have anywhere. But like you said, I too, I understand that, you know, our knowledge is unique in terms, it's it's not typical. And, you know, it takes a while to really unravel this thing that's called multi-level marketing and start examining it from various sides and you just there's just layers and layers and layers that you start peeling apart so what would you say is the biggest challenge that people in the UK face who are victimized by multi-level marketing companies it's always you know it is that thing you know you don't have anywhere formal to go but I think it also is the same in any country and when you First of all, it's the emotions that you have when you leave something like this, because you feel a mix of things like you feel shame, potentially, that that they have, in effect, conned you. That might be how you see it. Um, You feel very alone in your experience. It might be also that you were recruited by a friend or or an acquaintance. So it's very difficult to know how to navigate that. Um, You are typically love-bombed when you join an MLM so that you've got this team of people within the company that you've potentially walked away from. And there's all the emotions connected with that. Um, And often people are very afraid of speaking out. They they are afraid of of backlash or or, or the people that they have become friends with turning their backs on them. So a lot of people who leave an MLM feel very, very alone. and, you know, and I do know from talking to regulators in other countries that it's, it is very difficult to get people to go on the record, even when there is an opportunity to speak formally. It is difficult for victims normally to make a complaint because all these emotions connected to their experience and also the fear of what might happen if they speak out against this organisation of people that they have now left. So I think it's very difficult for them which I think it's why it's really important that people like you and other people who are are being voices of victims and talking about that experience on platforms, you know, like on like social media and LinkedIn and on sorry on, on YouTube or on Facebook and places like that and TikTok because it sort of normalizes it and it it, it lets you know you're not alone. And there were lots of people talking about the same experience. And then it gives you it gives you um 
a community to belong to that is outside the community of the MLM? Well, I think, you know, when people, a lot of people, when they leave a multi-level marketing company, that, that sense of community, that sisterhood that you felt, which of course was all false because it was all built on empty promises of everything. And, you know, you really aren't your true self when you're part of multi-level marketing because you're transformed through all the indoctrination. But to know that there is a community of people, of other victims who can understand what you've been through, I think is incredibly crucial. And I think another thing which is also important is maybe there's not somewhere in the UK that people feel like, okay, I can go here and report it. But is it possible that they could go to other places such as, you know, truth and advertising and, you know, make a complaint there or tell their story like right now with we have with the ANPR people can respond to about multi-level marketing in terms of deceptive income practices to be able to tell their stories there. And to also, I see most people, cause you said, you know, a lot of people don't want to speak out. And I run into that too, when I've talked to people and I understand it because it's the shame and the guilt and all of those things associated with it. And one of the things that I've noticed that most of the comments, not mine, of course, but most of the comments are anonymous. So if people want to speak out, I would say that would be a place to go and be able to put your story down. How do you feel about UK multi-level marketing victims leaving a comment with this ANPR that we have going on right now, which I will have to look up to see how many more days we have left to comment. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really important. I think it's that it's a bit like a vote. Everyone thinks that that theirs, that their one experience or their one vote doesn't really matter, but collectively it has a huge impact. And I think, you know, we all have a responsibility to speak up if we see that there is something wrong. We might not be able to help ourselves, but we can help others. And I think every single voice counts and every experience counts and it builds a picture and it helps people understand. And you never know that when someone hears your story and hears your experience, it might connect with one person that helps them. So I think it's incredibly important, even if it's anonymous, to speak up and share your experience. Absolutely. Now, I put in the chat, uh, Michelle Carpenter has this wonderful website, which let me put the um, MLM change. MLM change, you can um, choose one of four languages, English, Spanish, Tagalog, or Chinese. And it will take you somewhere where you can learn about how to make this comment, learn about what I'm talking about, that there's this, you know, opportunity for a potential rule to be made and you can tell your story. And I would love for more people in the UK to be able to tell theirs. And I think that that is at least, you know, one place to go to, you know, think that, if I do say, tell my story, maybe other people who are from the UK will also tell their stories. And maybe I can tell people that I know so that they can leave a comment as well. So what would you say is the um, general public perception about multi-level marketing in the UK? I think it's changed a lot in the past few years. I think sort of almost very much like my journey when I... Um, when I heard about them before I watched Betting on Zero, you know, I, I thought, you know, it was like Avon, you know, it's a mum in the school playground 
you know, waiting for pickup, who brings out a catalogue and, you know, you're guilted into buying something from it because, you know, you know her and she's giving you the catalogue, so you have to buy something. Um, and I think a lot of people did those sort of guilt purchases, um, feeling socially ob obligated. Um, and I think over time, and again, thanks, this groundswell, this movement of people raising awareness of what MLM is, people are much more aware of it now. And, and there's... There's a confidence now that people are able to say to someone, I'm sorry, I don't support MLMs and therefore I don't want to buy from you. You know, I don't want to come to your party. I don't want to buy that lipstick off you. And I think that's changed a lot um, in, the, in the past few years, which I think is brilliant because, as I say, I, I did. I mean, I, there was a mum when my son was really little, one of the school mums at Avon, and I would look through the catalogue and think, oh, I've got to buy something and I've got to spend a certain amount of money which I think I'm cheap. And I bought the products that I never used. And, and, and that was kind of how MLMs survived for a while. Um, but I think now people are quite happy to say, I don't want to buy from you. I don't support MLMs. And, and, and that's fine. So I think it's really good that social obligation has definitely gone. Well, I, I think that social pressure of I don't support MLMs. And as more people realize that it's not socially acceptable to offer something from MLM with that pressure coming towards them on it, that maybe over time, <clears throat> excuse me, that will have even a stronger impact because it's, it's one of those social movements, uh, that social change that doesn't happen overnight. And I know that before you and I started doing our own research into MLMs, there were many people before us and you know, it, there was just a few of them in the world that were speaking out. But like you said, now there is this groundswelling of people who are, <coughs> excuse me, coming out, sharing their experience, telling people of the perils of MLM, which I think is so very, very important. <coughs> I have got something in my throat is driving me crazy. So I'm really glad to hear that the perception has, has changed. Do you think that it will continue on this same vein of people feeling like, you know, all, almost like nervous and like kind of a little scared to ask people, will you buy this lipstick? Will you buy this, you know, powder or potion, whatever it is they're, so, they're hawking. Do you think that that is going to have an impact on people joining in the UK and people who are willing to like go out there and ask others to buy or to join? Definitely. And I and I and I see that in the coaching that some of the uplines are putting out to their downlines now. And a lot of what they coach is, you know, how to deal with people being rude to you because you're selling for an MLM. Um, and how to deal with the negativity and how to deal with the sort of objections that you get. And the fact they're creating that content, and the kind of objections that they've been forced to handle, demonstrate that there's much more pushback and much more awareness than there used to be. Can you think of um, what some of the pushback has become now? Have you have you, have you spoken to people that have told you about that? Um, I've seen it in in some of the groups and and the people sort of saying, oh, you know, like I was selling an ML, ML, I was selling for an MLM, and I felt really embarrassed. This is the kind of thing I see, but I also see it in. As I say the content that some of the bigger people are putting out there, the bigger managers, and it's all around how do you deal with it when someone says that you're in a pyramid scheme? You know, how do you deal with 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 the kind of you know people saying that no one makes money and 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 they're talking about 
how to deal with the messaging that is going around in the as I said the truth that is being spoken about MLMs right is increasingly more prevalent now and I think you said something so very important the truth about it that people aren't making money Mm -hmm. that is the biggest thing is that you know, it's that lie that is sold that you think, and it sounds like it's going to be ever so easy, you know, just get two people, three people, five people, whatever it might be in the particular MLM to do the same thing that you're doing and that you are going to be on, you know, financial easy street. And we both know that that just is not the case. And now the people who are those higher ups who are in it, they're confronted with people saying, you're not making money. And how do you respond to that? And I would presume that that would get to be quite challenging when people can show them that people don't make money. And yet there they are going, hey, join this so that you too can have financial freedom. Absolutely. And, and I can see it in the churn, you know, the the some of the sort of managers that I sort of watch online because it's really interesting to observe like how someone works to try and unpick how, how it operates. And I see them like churning through their lower recruits and, you know, and they might get someone up a level, but you know, six months on, none of those people are there. They were constantly recycling fresh faces, which shows they're not holding on to people. People aren't making money and they're leaving and they're continually having to replace those people. And, you know, it's so interesting because, you know, you bring up the churn and, for MLMs are always about time freedom, financial freedom. And I know my experience and I know everybody that I've talked to is like, I never have worked so hard in my life as I did when I was part of multi-level marketing. And they are all about this freedom. And yet you're never free because you're on that hamster wheel to keep going and keep pushing because that churn rate, when people drop out, You've got to replace someone. So you've got to constantly be on the go, 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 go. And it is utterly beyond exhausting. Now, what I would like to know from you, you said like the people that you watch, are there particular companies that you kind of keep track of or kind of like, you know, snoop on and kind of see like what is going on with them? Or is it just more kind of a global type thing for you? Um, Yeah, there's a few companies I watch. And it's really interesting to watch like sort of one or two because then you you really observe over a period of time how they change and how they operate um so yeah there's, there's a sort of a couple of companies i watch you know their reps in particularly and also you know their reps are quite open on social media and the company is quite open about you know they when they have the get togethers and you know they 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 really promote like for example how many people are, are riding a kind of climbing up the charts so it's really easy to compare year on year how they're doing and like you know how many numbers are going through that company what are the companies that you keep a you know an eye on um the key one i, I look at in the uk is forever living what why forever living um, purely for that, really, because they're the top reps there are have limited companies. So you can go on companies house and you can look at their accounts, which are always very interesting when you compare to the what they're putting out publicly. Um, they are, as I say, they, they have their success events constantly. Um, they have their annual checks. Um, so there's quite a lot they put out publicly to, to sort of really look at. Um so, yeah, predominantly that really, be, be, just because there is so much available online to see. Now, Forever Living, is that the one that sells the aloe vera juice? 
It is, yes. Okay, I remember, I'm looking actually at the um, logo of that. Growing up, my stepfather brought home that aloe vera juice. We always had it in our refrigerator. I don't know where he got it from. I don't know if he ever joined it or not, but I can remember the aloe vera juice being around and also some aloe vera gel that I'm very fair. You're very fair skinned. And so, I mean, I look at the sun and I, you know, I'm like a lobster and I remember using the aloe vera um, gel on my skin when I would get burned. Cause I, I thought I was going to get tanned and I was so ever so wrong. That never really happened. Um, so I have a little bit of familiarity with it. And that is one that I have not done a deep dive in but it's one that I've been curious about it. Is there anything about um, forever living that you think is a draw for people in the UK? I don't think, um, I don't think above any other company. I don't think particularly, I mean, um, no, I mean, no, I I, I think on the face of it, it's very much like any other LMLM. It's product-based and they sell products. Um, but I think, you know, I think with many MLMs, if you look at their compensation plans, they're all very much of a, of a, a similar setup. You know, they, their compensation plans look very similar. Um, so I don't think there's anything that particularly marks it out, no. Okay. Just just curious, because sometimes there will be a bit of a draw some for some of them. Um, another thing that I have a question about is what impact will there be in the UK? Do you think there will be if there is a new rule put in place by the FTC about deceptive earnings claims? Um, do you think that maybe UK, uh, I guess, I don't know, I want to say regular regulators or organizations may be more open to looking at multi-level marketing and maybe seeing how um, it is harming the people there. I don't know, because there isn't, it's quite a tricky one, because what you would need for that to happen is there to be a body who had an over-responsibility for this, who perceived it as significant enough of a problem within the UK, because they're going to have to go out of their way to research it and to put those those things in place. I can't really see that happening officially in the UK, because I don't know which body would take responsibility for it. Are there any journalists that are that you know of that have been covering this or have there been any news stories about multi-level marketing? Because, you know, we come across some of those here in the U.S. I mean, I have like some Google alerts set and I will see different articles you know, that are put out. But do you see it being written about in the U.K.? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a really hot topic. Um, there are always journalists. Uh, and I get contacted by quite a lot um, who are trying to write stories on it, trying to get and the, the thing they struggle with, which you could probably guess is, is getting people to speak up with anonymously or, or um, like on camera or, or, or named in their piece. Um, I have TV producers contact me. And there's a lot of interest. I mean, a lot of pieces written that I don't have involvement in as well. But yeah, it's definitely a topic that people are very aware of. It's a very popular topic. And there's a lot of media coverage in the UK about it. Now, that's so interesting that there's so much coverage. And yet there's not an agency willing to be like, oh, yeah, gee, there is a problem. Because you would think that that would have some sort of an impact if they're seeing it in the news. Yeah, but it always comes back down to 
you know, who is that one person that's going to make this their cause celebre? Which, who is going to care enough about it to see it through sort of politically and legislatively? Um, it takes an awful lot to do that. And I, and I think really you would have to have someone in the right position who maybe had some kind of personal experience in some level that there was an emotional connection that they would go the extra mile for it i think a lot of people in sort of politics very much think about either you know what serves them or what's going to look good in their career or what's an easy thing to do for that their next stage and i don't mean to do anyone a disservice of anyone's motivations but i think there is there's a lot that people can care about um and I think MLM is just for most people it's just one thing on a list so I think you know if someone came along where there was a personal connection to that that it brought it to the top of their list and then they were then motivated in the right position to do so then it might happen but I think otherwise I think people have got a lot more many other things that are that are important that they could work towards um, and I think MLMs is quite a com- it's also quite a complex issue. And as we know, MLMs have deep pockets. They're able to buy their way in, um, and they have done. You know, the um, they're a minister and an MP um, spoke up in the House of Commons um, in support of Amway and suggested that multi-level marketing was taught in education in the UK. I mean, you know, there is a lot of influence that MLMs have. So it would take someone quite strong, very highly motivated to really take that baton and run with it. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting that you say that because I know here, and when I really started thinking about, okay, did I know anything about multi-level marketing until I got involved with it? And I would say absolutely not. However, multi-level marketing throughout my life has touched me. I can remember I hosted a party. It was some kind of jewelry, and I've yet to be able to find the name of the company because it probably doesn't exist anymore. And then a friend of mine who I hosted that for, then she started doing baskets. Longer, longer, I don't remember. It starts with an L-O something another, which I don't think that company is around anymore. And then she sold Unique. And she left, you know, I bought Unique, and I got the, you know, uh, mascara, which was just heinous. And then she went for another one. And I can't remember what it was. It was a makeup one, which I, I got some stuff from her to be supportive. And it looked terrible on my skin. Then it went back to Unique. And I don't know if she's still involved in that. And I know she also did like some travel things, which now reflecting back, I'm thinking, oh, I bet you anything, those were MLMs. I went to a Tupperware party because a friend of mine, um, she loved being able to organize her kitchen. And this was like in the early 2000s. And like I told you, the forever living um, aloe vera juice was at home. And so it's like all throughout my life, MLMs have been around me in some way. As a little girl, my bus driver, we had a um, Volkswagen van. That was our school bus. And the driver, who was one of the teachers, sold Amway. And so I've been around it my entire life, never really knowing what it is. And I'm kind of wondering... Like in the UK here, I want to say it's one in every six houses or one in three, something like that, quite high of people who have been involved in multi-level marketing. Do you think it is as huge there in terms of multi-level marketing has touched lives across the country 
and people are just kind of like the silent victims. And I'm kind of wondering if there are people who are in politics that maybe it has touched their life, but they haven't really focused on any of that. And I'm not sure if I'm making sense, but I'm just trying to think of like how many people within the UK may have had MLM in their lives or sold MLM, maybe they stopped, but do you have any sense of that? Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely understand your question. And I would say no, it is not nowhere near as prevalent in the UK as it is in America. You know, most people in the UK probably will never have any exposure to MLM or awareness of MLM in their life. You know, I I have had very, you know, other than a mum at, at the school gate selling um, Avon for a while, that's pretty much it. Um, it's not, I, I think, you know, it is burst very much to me in American culture and the American sense of entrepreneurship um, and the American dream, you know, making things happen for yourself. And we don't have the same kind of culture in the UK. Um, so no, it, it, it's nowhere near as prevalent in the UK. And I, and I think on average, people in the UK probably probably get out faster as well um, because we're more cautious and we're more conservative when it comes to business decisions. So yeah, I, I, I just don't think it's as big an issue, probably, I would guess, in the UK as it is in America. That's interesting. Well, what do you think that anti-MLM advocates here in the US, what can we do to better serve and help UK MLM victims, if anything? I think everyone's speaking out. And I think what's really brilliant about today is all the voices talking about it. And we, you know, you say we look back at, you know, like 20 years ago and there were a few people, mainly very highly educated people who'd done a lot of research talking about it and, and they would, you know, if there was a rare documentary on MLMs, they would be on it and they were writing, um, you know, like educational articles, but that was inaccessible, inaccessible for most people. Um, and and I and their work is still really important, and and those voices are, are essential. And I think now it's matched by this huge majority of people who are out there on social media sharing their experiences, talking about it. Um, and I think everyone who speaks out does their bit in helping raise awareness of this, of making it unacceptable socially to go and approach someone and try and get them to join your team or or, or emotionally blackmail them into buying what is probably an overpriced product you don't want or need and so I think that that the more that every single person who has a feeling about this or feels strongly about it and either had an experience or wants to say something about it go out and speak because you're you never know as I say it, just one person might listen to what you say and that might help one person and your job is done so I think Everything that everyone talks about, and the more word is spread, the better, whether they're in America or the UK, it's all important. I absolutely agree. I mean, the symphony of voices that we have, as I've watched in the past few years since, you know, I started this, it's like it has grown. And if you just help one person, like you said, your job is done. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know I've had people reach out to me that I've helped them and That's why we continue to speak about it is because we also know that there are voices that are silenced due to fear and everything. And for instance, you may or may not know that I've been covering a company called on passive, which Mm -hmm. has been around since 2018 has never actually launched, 
Meanwhile, this next Wednesday, there's supposed to be some huge thing and you can see it in the sky, whatever the hell that means. Um, and there's a lot of people who are now quite nervous because on their website, and it's a very poorly written disclaimer, where Ash Mufara, who is the creator of On Passive, is basically threatening people legally if they speak out. And so there's a lot of people involved in that that I know are harmed. And there's a big guy in the UK that's one of the top leaders. And I, as far as I'm concerned, they're all complicit and they're part of the problem. But there are so many people, not just with On Passive, but in all of these other companies that are uncomfortable speaking out, are unsure, are fearful. And I think it's like finding that kind of um, the courage even if you do it anonymously, if you come onto my channel, tell your story, if you are in chat and mention something, if you just start something very small, if you join some of the groups on Facebook, then you can find a way to be able to tell your story, even if it's not on social media or through a journalist, but your, your voice can be heard by people. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And what I would say as well is you don't have to name the company. One thing I never talk about individual people. I never name anybody. And sometimes I don't even name a company because it's not necessarily a single person or a company that's important. What we have to understand is there's a pattern of behavior. There's a pattern of recruitment, of, of psychological manipulation, as I see it. Um, of abuse, as I see it. There's, there's, a, there's a pattern of, of behavior that happens across the industry. And we can talk about that, that problematic pattern of behavior without naming individual companies. And the problem is, is if, if we, and, 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 and you know, I, I also think there's value in talking about specific companies, but if, if you want to, but by talking about the behavior, if we talk about one person or one company and that company gets shut down or that person, you know, loses their position, there will, someone else will come and fill that void. Another company will, and as we're seeing by some LMs being shut down and other MLMs coming straight into that gap and then just taking all of those, those reps who, who now have got no company with an identical product. And then just, just, you know, like, it's like chopping one head off a monster and another one emerging. So for me, I think what's really important is talking about the problematic types of behavior that go on, the types of messaging, because if we can educate people about how MLMs as a whole operate, then it doesn't matter if a new company comes along because people will see through the messaging rather than just go, that company's bad or that person is bad because then you think, well, okay, that company goes, that person goes, that's fine. That other company is good. You have to understand how the messaging works. If that makes sense. No, it makes a lot of sense because I mean, you know, I often talk about in the world of MLM, it's like, it doesn't matter what the company is called. It doesn't matter what the product is. It's all about, it's the same thing. The indoctrination is the same. You know, everything is just like, so um, the other night I, I guess, premiered a documentary on my channel that was called Welcome to Life, which is about Amway. And I watched it and it was from the 90s. And the thing that was so eerie about it is that everything they were saying in there, it's like, well, you could just put what they just said and put any company name attached to it. It's the same type of messaging, as you said, the same types of things are being brought up. And it's, it's that's the thread that runs across all of these companies is that it's time freedom, financial freedom, and that they get people in by ensnaring them mentally. 
and entrapping them. And as you mentioned, love bombing and all the indoctrination that goes on. And I often apply the bite model to, you know, different companies that I've looked at. If you're not familiar with the bite model that was created by Dr. Stephen Hassan, it is behavior control, information control, thought control, and emotional control. And when you really start looking at any of these companies, you start to see that pattern. It starts emerging. And I think it's quite frightening to see how very similar they are. And one of the things I, I always struggle with is I see comments sometimes and people, I think, have the misperception of that, well, people who are just not educated, they're the ones that, you know, join MLM. And I would say, oh, oh, au contraire, there's a lot of people who are highly educated that get involved in these. And it seems like they try to make it work even more and work even harder at it. Have you had any kind of experience with that? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's that classic thing where, and I think it's a human thing. We, We sort of want to blame the victim because then we think it won't happen to us. So we'll say, oh, the people who fall for it must be either stupid or uneducated or more gullible. And then we can think, well, I'm safe then because I'm not those things. And it's a bit like an abusive relationship. It could happen to anyone. You know, there could be a moment you're vulnerable. You could be um, you could be recruited by someone who's just very, very good at at sales so I think that's why it's really important to for people to understand how this works the kind of message you're going to hear and what the truth really is because that can help people to avoid it and again very much like abusive relationships when you understand how to spot the red flags in an abuser you can potentially protect yourself from an abusive relationship and I think anyone could get sucked into an MLM if they were vulnerable enough and someone came along who was the right person at the right time Absolutely. I agree. It's just like, you know, I often think that if somebody has not been sucked in, it's like you haven't seen your, like you just haven't come to the flavor of the one that speaks to you and you haven't been at that vulnerable spot in your life where you would be open to it. Now, JB asks something here. Is there a difference between speaking out on MLMs and just going on and on about MLMs and what they mean is bashing them and making content that isn't giving good information to watch out And I would say if somebody, and I want to hear your take on this, Hannah, for instance, I have seen some things happen, which I would call hun shaming, where they're just kind of really going after the individual and not necessarily looking at what the actions are of what that individual is doing. But more importantly, the reason why those actions are happening is whoever is higher up, because usually it is the higher up huns that perpetuate the overall message that comes from the very top of like the person who creates everything. So I think there is a difference between just, you know, kind of shaming people of like saying, look how whatever they are, look how stupid they are or whatever versus showing like things that are happening, things that are going on, which are red flags. Hannah, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd agree with that. I I think shaming people isn't particularly helpful. Most people in MLM, in my opinion, are victims. When they're in it, that is not how they see themselves. And that's not maybe how they behave or or perceive to behave. But they are victims. Um, So I think shaming doesn't help anyone. I think also if people are are sort of acting at unresolved trauma as well, um, 
that could be triggering for other people. And it means that some of the messaging they're putting up might not be that well in, that informed because they're, they're sort of processing while they put it out. But then again, I would, would say that if that helps one person to avoid an MLM, then that there's value in that. Um, I, oh, I had another point that's completely gone. But um, I, I think it's, it is really important to consider when people are putting out content, how that could be, because also that was the point I was going to make as well, sorry, that um, that sometimes the, you almost feed things to a, for MLMs to come back on as well. Like if, if you put out un, poorly considered content that is quite easy for them to refute, then they can sort of diminish an argument. So really consider you know, what you're putting out, why, and, and how that could be possibly used um, by someone in an MLM, if that makes sense. No, that, that really does make sense to me. But I, I, I think there is, even if sometimes when we're pointing out, you know, the behavior, I think it's very important to point out the behavior and the problematic behavior and why it's problematic and what their messaging is who they are targeting and why that is an issue. I think all of that is very important to do. And I also think that creators um, can also change how they approach things over time as you learn more and as you go through it. And I think, and and one more thing on this is is that um, I sometimes see content being put out there and it's not for me. You know, I, I don't, I don't find it entertaining or educated or educating or enjoyable. But I recognize I'm not a target audience for that. And equally, I'm sure the content I put out, I know it's not for everybody. There are people who read my content and, and equally don't find it educational, entertaining or enjoyable anyway. And that's the thing is that there are so many different types of people who, who might go into an MLM. And so therefore, it's important to have creators putting out content that's going to appeal to a broad range of people. So even if we see things that don't resonate with us, that we don't like it, we maybe don't think it has value, there will be someone else who watch it that, that has a different opinion. And so it's really important that all, I think, a lot of different types of content do go out because it reaches a broader spectrum of people. I absolutely agree. I think there's many different ways to approach this. And I wouldn't want to gatekeep of like, well, you need to do it in this way. And this is, this is the way to do it. I think people need to be able to find their voice and find their way so that their message gets out to maybe a segment of people that other people are not reaching. Well, let me ask you this as we, you know, start to wrap up, what advice do you have for UK MLM victims? Don't stay quiet. Don't feel like you have something to hide. Do not feel shameful and be brave and tell your story. Tell it anonymously um, if you want to. And I totally understand why you would. And there's there's no shame in, in being anonymous. But but go out and tell people what's happened to you. And, and it's like any victim of something that's happened to you. Don't take on board the shame of what has someone else has done to you and allow that to silence you. Find a way to speak out and to help others and, and, and create more awareness if you feel able to. And I understand that there are some people where it's just too traumatic and I totally respect that. I'm not saying that everyone has a responsibility to and that you're bad if you don't. But if you do feel able to, do speak out, do own the truth and don't, it's not your shame. You were recruited into 
into something that I don't believe is healthy, that I do believe is like a cult. Um, and that is not your fault. And so don't feel shameful about speaking up because you never know who will listen and you never know who your voice may help. I think that's all absolutely beautiful. I agree with it. And I did put in the chat um, a link to your online magazine, The Talented Ladies Club. If you would like to you know learn more about Hannah, look at her work, please go there. She has amazing content and just is always such delight. And I'm also going to put in here again the link to Michelle's website, which can help you formulate um, an a comment for the FTC as we work towards hopefully getting some kind of rule for deceptives earnings claims. Now, Hannah, if you hang on after we close out and I'll say goodbye to you privately, but I want to thank you so much for your time and your energy and your expertise of coming on here and sharing it with my audience. I always appreciate all of the guests that I do have and especially you since you are on the other side of the world and you know your time is not mine I don't even know what time it is where you are it's 9 p.m on Mother's Day in the UK (laughs) oh happy Mother's Day not to make you feel bad (laughs) happy Mother's Day I hope you've had a good day but I want to say thank you so much and thank you to everyone who's participated in the chat and came on and if you're watching the replay please go and check out Hannah's website. She has fantastic material and have a great rest of your day. And don't forget you are beautiful and I love you tomorrow. I will be back talking about probably about on passive again. So thank you. Enjoy your day and remember you're beautiful and I love you. (music) 